We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Rotowire hashtag After Dark Champions League show. My name is Jack Burkhart. You can find me on Twitter at Jack Burkhart. And that's right. You do not see Ryan Belongi. I kicked Ryan off the show. If you listened on Friday, he bullied me ruthlessly off of Morgan Gibbs-White, who absolutely nuked the Premier League slate. I'm just joking. Ryan's a great guy. Always very helpful. You can't get everything right. And um, he's on vacation right now. So we were hunting for some guests. I DM'd uh, our friend Basil Nabby. Basil has won 13 King of the Pitch tickets in the last 12 months. I checked Twitter. The first one, Basil, believe it or not, was December 1st. So almost a year now. So how are you feeling about this upcoming uh, Tuesday Champions League slate? Do you think you can make it 14 in 12 months? Well, I saw they just put up the contest a little bit later than I was expecting. So uh, I did a little bit of prep. Yeah, feeling pretty good. That's awesome to hear. So, Basil, I wanted to um, introduce you because you kind of came out of nowhere. You posted a couple wins in the Discord starting World Cup, and we're like, oh, nice, you know, a user won a ticket. And then at some point you won like three in a month or something, and I was in the writer's room with uh, with Evan Ryan. We're like, who is this guy? And then so, like, we did a little bit of stalking and that sort of thing. I saw you were a big uh, Magic the Gathering player, and so I'm like, oh, man, that's the sign of a sharp person. That's one thing I learned while getting my uh, while getting my math PhD. So, um I don't know. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How'd you get into DFS? How long have you been playing DFS? Do you just focus on soccer? Um, how'd you get into things? Yeah. So, I mean, you hit it right on the head there. I was playing magic competitively since I was 16. I started playing when I was nine. So I have kind of the competitive gaming uh, background, you could say. Uh, I used to travel for tournaments and, you know, go all over the world to play and play in high stakes tournaments. Um, DFS, you know, I've, I've always been a, a sports fan, primarily basketball and soccer. So my, my first foray in was NBA DFS, I think probably in 2020, but very casual, definitely was a losing player, uh, because I was kind of trying to sneak in low stakes games while I was at work, um, <laughs> because I'm on the West coast. So you get a 4 PM start and I needed to get some lineups in. So that was how I started. And then I discovered the king of the pitch and uh, I started trying to learn how to win. And I found you guys and watched your videos and I lost a lot at first, but uh, it's 
evening out now. <laughs> <laughs> I think you may owe us a little bit after how you've gone um, the last Maybe. 12 months. Yeah, NBA DFS, that's pretty tough, especially if you're on the West Coast. And my understanding is you're basically um, – you're married to your laptop um, when you're playing a sport with late swap like that. So welcome to the good side. Hope, if only um, soccer had uh, prize pools as big as basketball. But um, yeah, was it just kind of the king of the pitch that attracted to you? So I know you're a big soccer fan. You're rocking the Celtic jersey. And I don't know what type of contest you played. I think initially you were just grinding these king of the pitch contests, right? Was it just the siren song of 100K up top and soccer that was appealing to you? Or was there anything else about it that seemed really exciting? It was simply 200 people for 100K. Uh, that was just, you know, it seemed like if I can figure out how to win the qualifiers, you know, in Magic, you have these pro tour qualifiers to get you to the high stakes event, which is small field. And it's kind of the same logic as like, I would just play those. So same idea here. And then that got me into playing some of the other, like, you know, double ups or or large gpps but those are definitely not my priority and those i only play when i remember to join or if i'm feeling really good about my lineups it's like my priority is always the king of the pitch yeah that's really that's really interesting i guess the small field stuff if you're playing in the king of the pitch you might be able to enter you know the scissor kick or the scorpion kick whatever type of stuff they're running but is there something yeah. just about like that winner take all that you think you have that extra edge with or is it just it's just that 200 people and that stupid 600K up top that we have to take down. Well, I really like single entry. So anything single entry, I think is, I feel like I can gain an edge there. When you can enter a bunch of lineups, I, I don't like it as much. Um, and, you know, given that the king of the pitch is only 200 people and the last year's was eight entries, if you, you could win up to eight and this year 10, you know, it's, I feel like I can gain an edge there, but these like, you know, weekend GPPs where you can enter hundreds of lineups. I, I throw a few in there sometimes, but I really have no idea how to actually gain an edge there. And, you know, unless you enter way too many lineups. Yeah. It's really tough to know. I, I've been taking shots at the stupid uh, showdown of the week and um, I don't know. Showdown has been particularly hard for me this season to talk about a, talk about a format that's really tough to gain an edge it's only like six lineup spots and i feel like any reasonable lineup is getting duplicated a lot these days so i definitely definitely like these smaller contests as well unfortunately those are a little too uh high dollar for me but i saw that you even took down the five dollar the 700 person field for the king of the pitch so i guess you know we're increasing the field size so that might not be good for the rest of us yeah, I'll still play those. Uh, I was only going to enter one lineup because I was going to play the mega qualifier and just use whatever lineup I use there in the $5. But uh, just because I thought 21 lineups is too many to enter within that one hour window for me to actually figure it out. But I had done some prep the night before and felt pretty good about where I was at. So I decided to enter the full amount. I mean, if you saw the lineup I played, it didn't look very great, but it had the three players you needed to win plus enough serviceable players from there. So I love that lineup. I definitely took a look. Um, when you get into the bigger fields, you get to be a little bit more gigabrained, like throw, uh, what, five Bournemouth players in the same lineup, ignore all the defenders and just put up the whole stack. I mean, you look at the lineup, I thought it was spectacular. And then, of course, when you have the three guys who score 40 points, it's you have some wiggle room for error from for that sure, point exactly. on. Um, what else was I going to ask you? I mean, you've been talking about kind of gaining an edge on the field. You like, it's kind of a, the qualifiers is sort of similar to Magic the Gathering. So you definitely seem like an analytics guy to me, Basil. So I'm a mathematician, but I don't really have any like modeling abilities whatsoever. So I've unfortunately had to rely on just like 
my grit and some like conceptual directional understanding to approach DFS. I like to use some game theory to help my decisions. If I think I have a good read on what the field does, that's very dangerous, of course, when you screw that up. So how do you approach DFS? Do you maybe take a conceptual, try to no ball type of approach, or do you try to grind the spreadsheets and uh, try to out project the field or find some edges in that sort of way? Definitely a spreadsheet grinder. Uh, I definitely am no math expert though. It's very elementary, uh, but I will essentially look at odds, find the players I want on the favorites or, you know, the cheap players, and then, you know, put it all into a spreadsheet with some of the things that I think matter and kind of figure out the best value plays from there and the best combinations I can come up with. But it's, I don't think I've ever entered a lineup without putting some stuff into a spreadsheet. All right, nice. So it's not like you have this whole like massive um, player pool database spanning the last last ten years, where you know like Pedro Poro's stats when he was a sixteen year old playing in high school, and you know that makes his crossing rate bump up just a little bit. So it's a little bit of a manual approach, I guess, is what you're saying. Very much manual, and I try and only look at you know it, if it's earlier in the season, I may look at the season before, but you know teams change so much even over a summer that the previous data may not matter as much. So it's just more recent data, typically just the current season. I feel like that's a huge edge though, to have just some type of number to look at, you know, even when you look at it, right, you're sort of using your brain, you're picking out players who conceptually seem like very good players. And then you're putting in numbers to try to get some backing to who's actually better, right? And sometimes on the Rotowire show, like I'm talking to Ryan and we're like, well, this guy might have like a little bit of a better floor, but this game environment. And so if you do have a good feel for what things matter, it almost gives you a bit more of a background backbone to be like, okay, this is definitely a couple points better, or I like this range of outcomes a little bit better. I think it's an admirable approach in that way. Do you find that it helps clear ambiguities like that? Definitely. I mean, I'm sure some predictive analytics expert could do it much better than I could, but ultimately this allows me to come to a decision that I'm comfortable with both on a, I guess, logically in my head, you know, I can prove it on a spreadsheet that this is how I came to that decision and I'm comfortable with those decisions. So, yeah. I think that's uh, awesome. And it's DFS, right? We only have to be better than the field. We don't have to be better than, you know, like bet three, six, five or pinnacle betting into like huge high liquidity markets. So I like that. That's kind of inspiring to hear actually, which might be the wrong lesson that you want <laughs> from talking <laughs> to you. But, um, maybe it's a good excuse to um, learn some Excel, but uh, thanks for sharing a little bit about that Basil, but you know, enough nerd talk. Um, we have a question from Steve in the chat. Uh, we're wondering if Basil is able to put his United bias aside to lock in Holland on all slates. So um, is a, uh, are you an Erlang Holland uh, guy or are you um, one of these hopeless faders like myself? Oh, I was a pro Holland in all lineups for a long time. <laughs> Just click the button and make it work in the rest. Yep, yep. And I, I am also a Man U fan. So yeah, good good call there. Uh, Man U and Celtic are the, the two teams that I, I follow. So painful being a Man U fan right now. But um, yeah, I'll happily I have no, I'm happy to play the, the city players uh, when it makes sense. Oh, yeah. Adam was making fun of me in Discord. I made just a couple lineups for the stupid Tottenham showdown on Sunday. And he's like, oh, Tottenham fan uh, Jack has Emmy. I'm like, you're telling me I might be able to make 20 bucks. My Tottenham fandom is exactly thrown out the window so uh smarter than all of us just jamming in holland but basil let's just get in and actually talk some ball now that we're 10 minutes in i think this is a really fun champions league slate that we're looking at uh manchester city are again the biggest favorite but they're at home to rb leipzig who although they've struggled a little bit in bundesliga are a solid outfit 72 percent chance to win um 
with the implied win odds. And you're looking at like 2.25 implied goal total. So, you know, highest win odds, highest goal total. That's nothing new from Manchester City slate. The question is who can keep up with them? And we have Barcelona who are like curiously high odds, at least to me. From what I've seen from Barcelona, they haven't been impressive. But a home match to Porto rates as the second best matchup. PSG have a good matchup against Newcastle United. Both teams suffering from a ton of injuries. And then we have AC Milan hosting Borussia Dortmund. That whole group with PSG, Newcastle, AC Milan, and Dortmund is totally up for grabs, which might create some exciting games, in my opinion. And then I think one of the most important matches of the slate, just based solely on price dynamics, is this young boys hosting Red Star Belgrade. DraftKings has been doing this weird thing with this price lately where it's really not sensitive to matchup. It's really stuck in historical pricing for some reason. And so a lot of players under 6K, a lot of players under 7K in that matchup who seem to have good ceilings. And both those teams are going to be fighting, maybe to put on a show on fighting for Europa League. So if that game goes off, you're going to need multiple pieces, at least in my opinion. So when you open up the slate and you were looking at the matchups, um, how were things looking to you? Did it seem like, oh, it's going to be another Manchester City slate? Or did you like these other spots when you were looking at it? I actually am leaning more towards the other spots. Um, I don't think Man City care and have much to play for. So, I mean, while there may be goals in that game, there may be a lot of rotation, but ultimately it really comes down to who actually gets the starts. Uh, you know, it, you know, if, if a lot of the players that don't regularly start are playing, then I'm more interested, but the players that regularly start, I'm less interested in. So uh, those are not auto includes for me. Yeah, if we're looking at the expected lineup, Adam kind of has a spice, some spicy takes in his projected 11. But, you know, we have the sort of Christmas tree type formation. We have three center backs. And, you know, there's some familiar names. We have um, Erling Holland, Phil Foden, and Jeremy Doku. Holland's about 10.7K, not a must at this price. There's other goal scorers, and it's not like he's minus 300. Foden, he's had some up and down performances, priced around 9,700, not so bad. And then Doku, I think Doku is the one who I think is the easiest name to click. The whole offense seems to be funneling through him. And at 8,700, I feel like he's a little bit too cheap. But yeah, otherwise, I think I agree, Basil. I don't, I'm not super excited to roster these guys. I don't think I want to roster Erling Holland in cash, for example, at least not right now, looking at the context of everything. And, you know, I probably get to Phil Foden, but just because I click Manchester City like a chalk donk that I am. But it is tough to click, and there could be rotation. Adam doesn't even have Julian Alvarez in the lineup, who at 9,100 probably is a must. But we're talking about issues with sub patterns. You know, who, who really knows what's going on? Though I must say, Oscar Bob, mega chalk if he starts at 3,500. That's probably the one name that you had in mind for irregular starters. Exactly. If, if Bob's in there, he's definitely in the lineups. He's probably going to be the most owned player overall if he's in, even if he only plays 60 minutes. So, I mean, what to do in those situations, it's always tough. Um, well, what matchups do you like, Basil? I mean, I... To me, I really like the young boys um, Red Star, but I want to find those like premium players in the other matchups. So what were you kind of drawn to right away? Well, my concern with the, the young boys and Red Star is that the game doesn't matter in terms of the Champions League, right? I don't, neither can get out of the, the group. So mm -hmm. my concern there is simply do the players care? Uh, what, you know, what sort of rotation is there going to be in because those are player, those are teams that I don't really pay that much attention to in terms of their leagues. I'm not as comfortable with it. But if players are under, you know, 4K, I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> so I will at least look at them. And uh, 
you know, we'll we'll see what those lineups look like. But I'm I'm more interested in like the uh, Feyenoord Atleti game. Um, that's a game that matters. Uh, you know, Feyenoord scores a lot, but they also get scored on a lot. Uh, Atleti usually doesn't get scored on that much and doesn't score that much, right? But uh, I I would expect to see some goals from Atleti at least. Um, I'm just not a believer in Newcastle. I think PSG should should win, but then again, Newcastle keeps beating teams that I don't think they should. So, um, you know, I can definitely see some action there. And, and AC Milan too, I, I think there could be some good attacking returns there. I'm not as interested in Dortmund. Yeah, I'm not too terribly interested in Dortmund. I'm interested in AC Milan at their prices. So you have Christian Pulisic, he's looking at around 7,500. I forget the exact price. I don't really play Giroud a lot, but he's often like in the 8Ks at 6,800. I can more accept a player with his range of outcomes. I mean, what do you think about Barcelona? I'm struggling a little bit with this Barcelona side, one who doesn't really have too convincing a form. Lewandowski's expensive at 10.1K. I guess he can still score a brace in any match, but he's getting a little old. And then you're looking and they're relying on a lot of young players, and the minutes just don't seem terribly good either. And it seems like the set pieces are splitting, which might remove Ilkay Gundogan from the cash conversation. It just seems like a tough spot, and not like I want to advocate playing road underdogs in Champions League. I just think I'm not really feeling bad if I don't play much Barcelona overall in my lineups. What do you think about that game? Yep, I agree. Uh, you know, I tried to go back and look at their game from this weekend, and I really had no idea what was going on in terms of the rotation. When you look at the players that they're subbing on, does mm -hmm. that mean those are the players that are going to be starting? Or, I, you know, I have no idea. So it's, it's really hard to predict the minutes there. You know, I could see having... Uh, a lineup that includes Lewandowski just because, you know, he is capable of scoring a lot of goals, but mm -hmm. I'm less comfortable with the rest of the players there. Um, Gundogan was someone I was looking at, but um, I actually wasn't too familiar with the fact that you're saying he may be taking less sets. So, um, you know, that's even uh, something that, you know, I, I don't like it because usually he plays a little bit deeper anyway, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's someone that I would have considered normally. Yeah, we can pull up the game log. So when he's under 7K, he's definitely worth considering in a good spot. I noticed that Ferran Torres started over the weekend, and he took three set pieces. So we can pull up the the tracker. And then anytime Rafinha starts, I think there's a chance that he can pitch in on set pieces. I don't know if we have like a sufficiently large sample size. So one second while I click on the Gundu God for a moment. But yeah, I love this tool, the set piece crosses and shots tool. It sort of tells gives you a good um, view about what's going on in recent trends. And um, yeah, Rafinha has pitched in a little bit. Gunduan's still taking most of them, but Torres does pitch in when he starts. And that's sort of frustrating. So if you told me someone like Gunduan has, you know, a near monopoly, 75% of the set pieces. Okay, you know, now I can start clicking it. At 6,900, that's opportunity cost that starts kicking in, at least for me, even in cash games. So I don't know. What do you think about that first impression looking at the set piece split? Yeah, it's close. It just comes down to who's playing. Um, because ultimately, wouldn't Ferran Torres also play in the same spot as Rafinha, or do they ever play together? Um, man, I wish I knew. I know that's not easy better. for you to pull up, but... <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I guess we'll just see, right? I mean, like, if it's Rafinha... On the off chance that it's Rafinha, Ferran, and Gunduan, we can just say, this is a mess. But... Maybe if it's a direct split, so maybe you're right, like Ferran Torres is only going to play with Rafinha, then maybe it's okay to have a 50-50 split. Is that what you're getting at? Or, Well, I'm expecting the lineup to look like the one that you guys actually have posted, so I don't think 
I don't think any of those people are going to take sets other than Gunga. Yeah, and in that case, that's a good point to mention. So Adam's lineup, we have um, Alex Baldi and Jao Cancelo at fullbacks, um, Frankie de Jong, Pedri, and Gunduan in midfield. So I think Pedri will probably be the most forward there, and then Gunduan second most. De Jong kind of does his own thing in the middle. Nice distributor, but not necessarily getting forward. And then you have the wingers. You have Jao Felix, the 16-year-old, Lamine Yamal. He's been exciting to watch when he's on the field. And then Lewandowski leading the line. If it was that lineup, then... It's very good for you to emphasize that Gunduan is definitely in the cash game radar. And I mean, if you take most of the set pieces, you can't complain when the main set piece taker gets an assist. Let's just put it that way. Exactly. Well, let's dig into actual like a uh, position by position dynamics. So we usually start with the forward uh, position, Basil. So I'm going to pull up the forwards. And again, it's a situation where. All right, Erling Holland, 10.7K, sure, you can play him. We know exactly the range of outcomes we're getting, but there's definitely some viable alternatives. I think this Newcastle defense is quite suspect, so I'm really interested in the PSG attack in this game. I mean, if you scroll up, the injury list is absolutely brutal. It like I can't fit it all into my page with this Zoom, <laughs> so it, it's tough for Newcastle. They're not fielding their strongest side. I mean, Jamal LaSalle is not their strongest center back. And Lewis Hall is not necessarily really a defensive player either. And, you know, they're starting young Lewis Smiley. Jolinton and Bruno Gamarish are good players, but it's kind of a disjointed Newcastle side. And you've gotten some chaotic results. I mean, they played really well against Chelsea over the weekend, but they got slaughtered by Bournemouth if you watched that game before the international break. But that was a whole long tangent on Newcastle's injuries to say, Kylian Mbappe is a pretty good play, which is hardly an original take. Um, I kind of like him the most out of those expensive forwards for a tournament point of view. Your boy Antoine Griezmann, though, at 9,800. If you're pretty interested in this Atletico Madrid Feyenoord game, Basil, Griezmann might be your guy in most of your lineups. So are you thinking this is a big spot for him? That's my favorite of the people that are more than 9K uh, at forward. Uh, but Mbappe is number two there. Uh, and that's simply down to, to pricing. Um, you know, like I said at the beginning of the show, I don't have, I don't know how Newcastle keeps doing it, but uh, this <laughs> is a spot where I, you know, Mbappe can do it against anyone. So I don't see why this couldn't be a big game for him in a game that matters. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I like both of those plays. Yeah. And if we look at the side, I think Mbappe. I think he can float around really on either wing, but if he's going down the left, I don't know, either matchup on the wing should be good no matter where Mbappe is attacking, right? Lewis Hall is not the most defensive player. And Trippier, you know, he's a good forward player, but Mbappe's presence might pin Trippier back a little bit, which affects Trippier's range of outcomes as well at 7,500. We can get into that in Defender. But you're looking at those matchups, and I agree, man. That's a, that's a pretty good spot for um, killing Mbappe. And then... Um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about how you kind of got into the, uh, you said that you've been following Feyenoord a little bit and they've been getting into higher scoring games. So you think that could be a fruitful matchup. Traditionally, I always think of Atletico Madrid as a more defensive team, not one that's necessarily looking to attack right away. So Griezmann wasn't on my radar immediately. I mean, he's at a good price for a set piece monopoly taker, but what sort of factors, if you can get a little more detail, have you into that game as a sort of positive game environment? Well, Feyenoord just, even though they win a lot in the Dutch league, they do get scored on a lot. Uh, so, you know, even though Atletico is a more defensive team, they still have strong attacking talent and there's no reason they can't score one to two goals there. So um, I just think they're Feyenoord's weak defensively. So you have to consider Griezmann 
and Morata because they can score against a weak defense, you know, even if Feyenoord can score the other way. Yeah, and even, I guess, if it's on a road match. I think you're keying in on an important point as well, right? Talking about this is a game that matters. And if you do believe in Feyenoord's ability to score, I mean, then it has to be absolute rocket ships for Atletico Madrid. So they're going to have to bomb forward and get the attacks going. So I think that's a sharp take and a really good point about um, Atletico Madrid there. Um, But yeah, they're all good options at top. But yeah, Mbappe seems most interesting. And you've sold me a bit on Griezmann. One name I really like for cash games if he starts, Jeremy Doku. I mean, how impressive has he been for, um, you know, your favorite rival, uh, Manchester City? Uh, It seems like most of the attack does really go through him. And he's hitting quite a floor lately with crosses, shots, and chances created. Probably uh, at 8,700, probably a name I consider in cash games. I know that's not the format you play the most, but... He was one of the first names that I clicked. Yeah, I mean, and he, he's not someone that gets the full 90 all the time. Sometimes he's brought on as a sub. So, you know, if this is a chance for him to start from the beginning and, and play with more minutes than normal, then, you know, there's no reason he couldn't go off. Yeah. Would you have any interest in uh, Feyenoord bringbacks, I guess, looking at the prices? Um, I don't know if that's the strategy you necessarily want to take. Maybe you just hope that Feyenoord get that goal and then you can find the fantasy points elsewhere. Santiago Jimenez has at 7,900, a little bit expensive, but not as expensive as he has been in previous slates, has one of the best goal scoring odds of the entire slate. You can imagine a game stack going going in that favor if you keep on sort of thinking about this game script quite a lot. Is that a little bit too expensive for the correlation for you, or is that maybe something that you're looking at, you know, some of these nice Feyenoord um, forwards? So here's going to be the first mispronunciation. We got Igor by Chow down there at 6,700. I know he takes some set pieces for them. Definitely some names if you want bring backs, Basil. Yeah, well, Santi is a big dude. He scores a lot of goals. Uh, you know, he, I think you have to consider him. Um, Calvin Stangs, who, you know, d- takes some sets. And uh, yeah, Pai Chow, like you're saying, I think is how you say it. Mm-hmm. I like him. He actually just doesn't play beyond 75 minutes very often if you mm-hmm. look at his game log. So that's my concern there. But for mm-hmm. the price... He's still not that bad, but I would be concerned about playing too much of him because of the the minutes. Um, but Stangs and um, Santi, I would consider. Yeah, I'm pulling up Stangs. I think Stangs scored a hat trick over international break. If you were a DGen playing these Euro Euro um, DFS, I think they had some matchup against Gibraltar. So not as easy a spot for Stangs, but definitely a talented attacking player. Yeah, and if you think, look at the reverse picture, I, I think Stang still got, you know, ten points or something. Like he he he'll still get points against Atletico just from from sets. Yeah, I can actually pull that game log up right away. So in the reverse fixture, uh, you know, nice ninety minutes, four chances created, nine crosses, eight corner crosses. We love to see that. Yeah, a fourteen point floor. That's the type of player that if they score one goal or get an assist, you really you really start to feel like you either have him or you're hoping you can break even on the day. All right, let's take a look at the other forward options then. Yeah, those definitely seem most appealing to me. I was scrolling down and looking at a few of the um, young boys options. I know you're not necessarily as enthusiastic about this game, but these are also like two small clubs. So I think potentially a spot in the Europa League, which you earn for getting third place, I think that does matter some. I have to switch my screen over. I think that does matter some for clubs like um, like Red Star and for, and for I just lost it, Young Boys. 
and I think that's worth considering. So they might want to put on a show. So maybe, I guess there is two ways of thinking about it. It's a cagey affair with not much to play for, but you know, maybe you want to put on a show in front of your fans. And I think the Europa League qualification does mean something. Um, Meshkak Elia is an interesting name at 6,400. He's a forward. So usually what happens is that young boys are putting up two, two uh, strikers up front. Cedric Itten is hurt, so there's going to be other options that are starting for young boys. And Ilya actually is averaging like three crosses per 90 minutes. I checked on FB ref, um, you know, in the Swiss League. But this suggests a player who wanders out, might get a few floor points. And at home against Red, Red Star, you know, if that game environment does get a little bit silly, I think that's a decent price on someone like Elia. But there are definitely other options in this game. So this is a name I can't say, but Jean-Pierre Nassam, he's a forward. He's taken penalties, and I think he's about 5,600 for young boys. So anytime you have penalties at home for a favorite, that's worth considering. And then you also have Darian Males um, for young boys. I think he's forward eligible in 3,800. He's one of these guys who never plays sixty, who never plays much more than 65 minutes, but he has taken some set pieces. So while you were doing some research on young boys, uh, these names spring out to you, or did any others at the forward position look interesting? Yeah, I didn't dig too deep into it because I, I just want to see what lineups are put out tomorrow and then figure it out. Um, mm -hmm. Because I, I just it, it's too hard to predict in a game that may or may not matter depending on if they care about the Europa League. But mm -hmm. anyone under 4K, I would definitely look at and consider. Um, and then any of the attacking players on young boys, I would consider I'm less interested on the Red Star side. Yeah, like these strikers, I don't know too much about on the Red Star side. And then when we talk about midfield, we can talk about the other options. There's a couple pretty silly floors, depending on who starts for Red Star. But yeah, overall, I agree. I think males may see some looks. I mean, at the near the stone min, and then, you know, he's not going to play 90, but 8.69 floor points per 90. That's just a pretty good spot. And I think um, some sources are suggesting that... Uh, Crosso might start. He's taken three penalties for Red Star. And maybe I can change your mind about the attacking players on Red Star if I told you there's a penalty taker at 3.6K. Yep. Under 4K, I'm looking at him. You know, that's <laughs> that's really it. I just wouldn't want to pay up for someone that is on a team that I don't think is very good and is playing a game that I don't think it matters that, that much. But ultimately, I think you have a fair point on the Europa League mattering to these smaller clubs. So, Yeah. I mean, we'll see how it goes, but I think that's a pretty good breakdown of the forward position. I mean, there's a ton of names to play. We haven't even mentioned like Lamine Yamal. We, you know, we're not enthusiastic about Barcelona, but I mean, what a great price he is um, in a good matchup if you believe in that spot. So I don't think you're really short of any options. A lot of tournament options in the low range. I do think you're going to click on expensive set piece takers at least twice at the forward spot overall, though. Um, any other takes on forward, Basil, or shall we move on to the less exciting midfield? I know we just kind of brushed over them, but I think Pulisic and Giroud are definitely players oh, I that I would Pulisic, consider. Yeah. Um, because Pulisic, he's, I think he only played 75 minutes in the last game. I think he was coming back from an injury, if I remember correctly. But uh, I think he took some sets, and I think that's someone you have to consider. But ultimately, there is risk on minutes there. Yeah, there's always a little bit of risk of minutes with Pulisic, but... I don't know. A lot of these Italian teams, especially, they rest their guy. They like sub their players early on a Champions League week. That's something I've noticed. I know Inter do it all the time, and certainly AC Milan. But if you look at the lineup, 
Milan have kind of had a messy set piece um, split this whole season, but I do think Pulisic is definitely going to take a role. And at 7,500, he's probably a little bit cheap for a favored set piece taker, someone that you can play in a midfield spot as well. So good on you for reminding me that he exists. I don't think Reinders is going to be a factor necessarily in set pieces. I think it's probably going to be like Pulisic is going to be splitting with Theo Hernandez, who looks like a pretty good um, defense play once we get into that side of the position. But yeah, I agree. It, it's tough for me to play some of these AC Milan players. I just feel like, you know, they're a bit more of a cautious team. Those games don't go off, but Pulisic, one of those guys who can get that 20 point, you know, ceiling, not just on one goal based on his floor. Yeah. All right. Let's dig into our midfield position then. Not too much exciting on the expensive end for midfield only for me. Someone like Jack Grealish, even if he starts, you know, you're talking about maybe Pep pulling some of these guys early. 8,300. I, I guess that's fine. It's just not something that's terribly exciting. Julian Brandt, if Marco Royce starts, I mean, he, they're underdogs anyways, but he's not going to be a set-piece monopolist. I was interested, because I am a bit more interested in this Red Star game, in um, in uh, Gaylord uh, Kangakaku. So if you pull up his game log, he's not played too much, at least in the Champions League so far. But in his one start, he pulled off 12 floor points at home against Red Star Belgrade. And if you look at his per 90 stats in the Europa League, which Rotowire has, there's some exciting stuff in these game logs. You're looking at a player who, you know, he's a bit older, but two shots per 90 pretty well on a pretty good historical sample. Good chances created and definitely crossing. And he will take set pieces from both sides, which is something that you can see on heat maps if you really grind these, uh, you know, sofa score uh match logs he's a name that's interesting for me but i really don't want to play 7200 even then that's a little bit too sick and i'm probably a bit more excited about the young boys um match than most but a name that's worth looking at nonetheless um yeah it's worth it's worth it and you know if you're playing a, an event that has multiple lineups i think you can throw one in but it's not something i would you know if you're playing cash and you just need one lineup it's not someone i would be super excited about because of the price yeah, well, you know, secret between you and me, he's in my cash game dummy lineup. I'll probably <laughs> trade it, but, you know, if you want, you can scoop my head-to-heads out there. Um, <laughs> it, it's tough to ignore that floor, but I do think that, like, the the fragility there makes it more of a, you know, you have three lineups in the king of the pitch and maybe throw him in one of them just in case that one goes nuclear. Um, but, yeah, I guess that leaves the first real serious cash game option, Ilkay Gundogan, 6,900. I mean, is how likely are you to roster him in cash games? I feel like you kind of just have to click him on principle if Ferran Torres and Rafinha aren't starting. Yep. If the lineup is as you have it displayed in, in the, proje- uh, the projected lineups, I think most of the time you'll make my lineups. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with you there. So Ilkay Gunwan, good cash game play in that setting, should project for getting a good amount of set pieces at home. And then um, scrolling down a little bit more, I think below 5K, things start to get rather interesting. So if Kanga doesn't start, Kwong Inbiom at 5,100, he's shown some flashes of getting a lot of set pieces. And I think he was kind of hard done to not get an assist um, maybe a two Champions League slates ago. That's a name I'm very much interested in. The price is much better around 5K than it is 7,200 with Kanga. Um, I won't play Huang. A lot of people did when Kanga started and they didn't get the set pieces. So I think I almost screamed when he got the assist. I had a bad sweat on this one. I remember this is when I lost the king of the pitch seat by two points. Uh, uh, ben Sesco, but whatever. Huang's an interesting name. But 
I think there are some options below 5K that you can click, at least in tournaments. Uh, so who sticks out to you in the cheap range? I think we're going to be shopping here, and I think there's some good options. Uh, yeah, Chuck Wazy and and maybe Rinders for me. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I I think Rinders lost sets when uh, Pulisic was back, um, but because of the price, if you assume Pulisic is going to get subbed off early, there's going to be some amount of the time that Rinders may take sets in that game, and I think he's 4K. Mm -hmm. um, and then yeah, Chuck Wazy has been playing in a more advanced role, and I think is under four. So. Those are two that I'm looking at. I truthfully can't even find his price. He must have not have had enough. That must be a new addition because Chukwizi is playing because of uh, the injury to Rafael Liao, right? I think that's right. the reason that he's in. And I believe there's another player who is labeled as out who would normally split minutes with Chukwizi there. So I think there's a chance Chukwizi actually goes 90. That's a nice shot right there. So, yeah, he's going to be pretty cheap i'm gonna pull him up on the DraftKings site well you mentioned that yeah 3200 so you've sold me if a player's 3200 and has a pulse for a favorite i think um sometimes there just aren't midfielders that cheap on a premier league slate like it's like 3500 and you're paying for uh lord knows who someone i would never want to play though um maybe like uh will hughes if he wasn't taking set pieces or something like that interesting interesting plays there with the ac milan guys um, you have Ruben Loftus Cheek, who should be in a more attacking role. I haven't looked too carefully into him, but if you're in, but all of those players are cheap and could contribute if they're playing a little bit more forward. Um, what about Marcus uh, Urente, forty four hundred, a bit of a Swiss Army knife player for um, Atleti. But if you're going to play a few Atletico Madrid players, might make sense. Probably not, you know, in this, you know, playing one lineup or two lineups. But if you have a few more, I could see myself getting there. Potentially. He's not, not someone I had high on my list. Just when you factor in, if you're going to go Gundogan and Chuck Wazy, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think you need to play him, but yeah, I could see a world, I guess, where, where maybe in some lineups you throw him in. Yeah. That's probably more of a large field move now that I'm looking at his game logs. Kind of inconsistent. I just know that he plays a lot of different roles. So if the setup looks good for him, I always like talented players at that price, but I think maybe I can put on the brakes when it comes to Urente. But yeah, a lot of exciting options. Um, anyone you think that we've missed in this range? I just don't think this is a spot where you're going to be spending up too much and probably a very much a consensus construction where you have, you know, a Gunduan and then just pay down for the player that you like best. Uh, probably the consensus. Yeah, the other one that I was somewhat interested in, which may be kind of a, a bad pick, I'm not sure, but I just don't know much about the Dutch league. But Quentin Timber, I know he plays a bit deeper, but he gets a lot of assists in the Dutch league. Mm -hmm. I know it hasn't happened in the Champions League, but it's someone that I was at least looking at because of the numbers there. Uh, you know, it may not materialize against Atleti, but is one of those like middling price players that I would at least look at, but you know, you may not need to go there. Yeah. Maybe not needing to go there, especially, you know, I'll see your Feyenoord and raise you young boys. Philip Ugrinik at 5,800, I think should be splitting some set pieces for young boys. He's a bit of a deeper role. I think Adam has him in more of an attacking role, but I've seen him on old lineups, you know, 
three more forward players for young boys, and then Ugrinik is in the midfield. He does take some set piece and cross quite frequently. I think he's the second leading player in crosses and, you know, shoots at an okay rate. I think Ugrinik is going to see some action, you know, even as a cash game type of target. Um, I like that name a little bit more just in case he can contribute to an assist. I also think he has quite a few goals this season, but I would have to look it up. I think it's in my article, though, which is all the reason to become a Rotowire subscriber. <laughs> Rotowire.com backslash soccer trial. You can take a look at my article, which talks a little bit more in depth about some of these young boys players. But yeah, Ugrinik is definitely a name on my radar. I think a good upside in this spot. But let's take it over to Defender. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Defender is somewhat interesting. I actually, this is the day of the Champions League where the defending options are actually quite interesting. I think it's the Wednesday slate that is just absolutely barren of good Defender plays, but maybe I'm getting my memory scrubbed and mixed up. But Kyrian Trippier... You don't sound like a Newcastle believer, so it's probably going to be difficult, Basil, to sell you on a $7,500 Kieran Trippier. Then again, I was struggling with Kieran Trippier on the show this weekend, and he almost windmill dunked on me on schedule, as what happens whenever I doubt his abilities. He took a free kick shot and it hit the crossbar. He could have ended up with you know, 27 points quite easily. Do you think that there's any life in Newcastle for maybe this PSG Newcastle game to be a bit more back and forth, which might mean that Trippier is a bit involved on set pieces and there's just kind of like no real structure to the game? Or are maybe you interested in some of these 5K level defenders who have similar upside, maybe not quite the floor, but can keep up with Trippier even if he does quite well? Yeah, I'm more interested in the cheaper defenders, but Trippier seems to always have a serviceable you know, points output. So mm-hmm. it's not someone that I would prioritize, but it's definitely someone that I want some exposure to. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, if the if the money's there, I will I will put him in. Yeah, I think the money might end up like being there. If you're not, I'm, I'm just when I'm clicking lineups, and you know, if you have like a Foden Doku or like a Griezmann Doku start, you're not spinning up at midfield. You might accidentally end up having enough money for Kieran Trippier. So you have to decide. You know, do you want to play a Kyrian Trippier or do you maybe want to finagle things and then play like a Christian Pulisic in a utility spot instead? Those are sort of the comparisons that you want to be making, at least in cash games. Probably have to side with Pulisic in a better matchup, but it's tough. I mean, Trippier has that really serviceable floor, as you mentioned. 
yeah, you're not playing him for the clean sheet in that matchup. You're playing him for just the the sets and, you know, there's no reason that Newcastle can't blow out more teams that it doesn't seem like they should. So, you know, I I wouldn't fault anyone for playing Trippier. Yeah, I almost wouldn't. um, (laughs) I would almost never play Trippier with Nick Pope because I feel like I want PSG to score in that type of matchup. I've kind of run into trouble getting a bit too extremist in this line of thinking, but sometimes the fullbacks you, when they're this expensive, the clean sheet, that's not what you're, that's not what you're playing for. You're looking for assists or, you know, 10 corner type of outlier performances. Um, some other names at Defender, Zhao Cancelo is one of the most tilting clicks in DFS, at least for me. At 6K, he hasn't been playing a full 90 every single time, I think. So I'm not super interested, but he can score a goal in any given matchup. Uh, David Raum is probably not a play on the road at Manchester City. But the two names that really excited me in this range, Basil, were um, Hakimi at 5,700, who I really just want to find one of these interleague slates where he puts up 25 points and plug that into the Champions League just once for me. Hakimi's going to be on the same side that Lewis Hall is defending. So I think in GPPs, this has to be the one. He's going to score in the Champions League at some point. I really like this matchup for him in tournaments. Theo Hernandez, though, might be the better cash play taking some set pieces. What do you think about these mid-price guys? I think you're going to spend at least once here. Yeah, uh, so I threw up together one lineup so far just to feel it out, and I had Theo Hernandez in, but I have $100 to spare. So (laughs) it could be either one of them. Uh, And those are two that I was looking at. I think both could have big games. I like both. Um, Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to play either or both together. Yeah, I think both together would be a great move. I think Theo Hernandez is going to be very popular. If you look at his game logs, he scored a penalty over the weekend. But you should remember that Olivier Giroud was suspended for, the the, the blurb was really funny, insulting a referee on his 100th appearance. Okay. So really um, getting into the 100s and AC Milan in style. I think Giroud is still the guy to take penalties if he's on the pitch. But, you know, if you're splitting set pieces, he's a very attacking player. And I think Milan might need him to offer a little bit more attack, especially with some of their players injured. So I I think he's a good play in all formats as well. Um, what other names interest you at Defender? Um, anyone that is cheap. <laughs> so you know, that is going to come down to uh, seeing what lineups come out. Uh, you know, if there's someone in the, like, low fours and lower uh, that ends up starting as a, a wide defender, I'll be looking at them. So okay. it's like some that come to mind are, I think it's Hartman. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Calabria, and I don't know how to pronounce it. I think Nukup are who, who has not had good game logs. I think uh-huh. he may be negative on points, but I think those are all fine. Those are ones that I kind of, jotted down to at least keep in mind but mm-hmm. that that's going to be more so on the you know we'll see who who ends up starting and if i remember correctly is it um garcia who is like the the defender who is a bit more attacking yes um, yeah so that's another one but it's it's just not a matchup i was interested in yeah garcia was one of the first names that i had written down at 3800 He's been taking some set pieces. Um, 
again, I pulled up all the Dutch league stats. For some reason, that's the one thing I'm remembering today. And he has 72 crosses in the Swiss league so far. So you can take that stat to the bank. Um, I've seen Saramek rather amusingly play him on the road to Manchester City in cash. So talk about the spreadsheets. He's someone who must project well, but Saramek's done some wacky things the past few weeks. I, I think he's a, you know, you're just, you said it, like anyone under 4,500 who's cheap and starting and has some attacking output, I think that's a pretty good shout, especially when you're someone like Garcia who has some set pieces. Um, Hartman, I know, is an attacking player. He was a very popular click in this aforementioned a Gibraltar game that I mentioned. So definitely an attacking player. Do Feyenoord play with a back four or three center backs? I think he'll be playing as just a regular fullback. Yeah. And Basil, who was the last name that you mentioned? I missed him, and I don't know what team he plays for. I had mentioned Calabria and uh, Newcoop. I think Newcoop. I think he's like in the low threes, but I think he plays wide. Um, okay. I don't know if he's in your projected lineups now. He might not necessarily be. So is he on uh, Feyenoord? I think it. It was I see. I don't even know. That shows how little I know about him. I think it was <laughs> Feyenoord or uh, or Dortmund. Oh, maybe. okay. Feyenoord, new coop right here, right? Bart. Oh, he's out. Okay. Our boy Bart. Yeah, we can open up the log. I'm glad we did the forensic work and we found him. <laughs> I think he was listed initially as like playing, or maybe he played this weekend. That's why I had made a note of him. But I, I don't know what happened. Maybe he got hurt or something. Yeah, we got um, we actually have a new Blorben hot off the presses today. He had a hamstring injury on Saturday. Manager Arnie Slot Bart will undergo an MRI scan one of these days, which will show exactly how long he'll be out. That sounds like he will indeed not play. So, all that detective work for nothing. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, plenty of fullbacks to play though that look cheap. Is this kind of one of those slates where you know you do a similar thing? Maybe try to. So on your King of the Pitch winning lineup, you just played the entire Bournemouth defense, more or less. It doesn't seem like it quite sets up for that when there's so many viable sort of wide attacking defenders. Are you going to be looking at center backs or anyone particularly cheap? I mean, maybe as a one-off, but I feel like you want to find the points on offense. Yeah, I don't think you need a center back, and I don't think you need to try and correlate the way that I did in that lineup that you're referencing with two defenders and a goalie from the same team. Um, I'd just be looking for a combination of, you know, the two that we mentioned, the PSG and um, AC Milan options, and then maybe one one cheap wide player and, you know, just come up with whatever combinations that you can. Yeah, I agree with you. And there's so many attacking players. It's like the clean sheet is almost like it just when it's three points and you might have defenders scoring over 10 points, it just doesn't matter nearly quite as much in setups just like this. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, plenty of options. It might even be a three defender slate on some, in some levels, just because they're so cheap, you know, maybe play a forward in another spot. So I don't necessarily feel that pressure, especially when you have potential goal scoring defenders. So something worth thinking about. Yeah. If you want to play the, the Mbappe, you know, Griezmann together, you know, you may need to play three cheap defenders, but that also seems fine here. Yeah, especially when they have floors in that cracking uh, young boys Red Star matchup. <laughs> <laughs> so Basil, um, I've gotten a lot of stick lately for my um, 
goalkeeper picks. So someone on Twitter called me a donkey for playing Aderson last game week. And of course he was scored on. So it does kind of feel like, I do feel like a donkey when I play Aderson. Uh, poor Roadman in the Discord, I told him to play Trafford and uh, Burnley conceded like 15 goals. The people are desperate for a winning goalkeeper pick and I have to capitulate. I'm not the one to provide it. So who is your gold star goalkeeper lock? No pressure. Oh, lock is tough, but I guess if I had to pick one, probably Yan Oblak would be my pick mm -hmm. um, with Donnarumma as a close second. Mm. Once again, not a believer in Newcastle, but <laughs> then again, they keep doing it. So those are the two that I've been looking at, um, as well as Feyenoord's goalie because of the price. I think that's fine too, because there could be a world where Atleti are just not attacking enough and they get a clean sheet. But mm -hmm. if they do get scored on, I don't expect them to get many saves. So that's a concern there. Yeah, that that's one of those problems whenever you have like, you know, we've had spots where it's Aderson against young boys. You know, Ugrinik, I think, was the one who scored a goal. And it's just like guaranteed that Aderson is going to finish with at best three points. It's so frustrating when you pay up. But in these matchups, I actually think it's a bit enticing to pay up when there's some competent outfits against these strong favorites, right? Like RB Leipzig could force a few saves from Aderson. So if you're looking, why am I paying 5,900 when they're hosting Leipzig, who are a decent team? You know, in previous matchups, they were conceding to much worse opposition. Maybe some save upside, and there's actually a route to 18 points for an Aderson on this type of slate. I don't think there's a world where I play Aderson, but <laughs> if his backup plays, I am a lot more interested in that. Um, I just don't think Man City will care, like the regular starters, but I think that uh, the backup will care. So that's kind of where I could see myself going the Man City route. I see. Is the caring metric, is that one that's, do you have a column for? Don't have a column does, for that on the Does strategy, underscore right? care. Yes. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> I think that's a I think that's a fair point. Aderson kind of gets himself into weird positions. I really like that uh, Donnarumma shout. For some reason, that wasn't a name that stuck out to me. But Newcastle again, good enough team to get some shots on goal. So you know you have the 18 points, random performance. For cash, I was kind of just going to click whatever name fit. You know, spend down. It feels gross to click an away goalkeeper, but I'll pick the worst one if I have to. I highlighted Bajot in the article, but you've persuaded me that maybe that will not be the route after Atletico score three goals. Um, yeah, some of these spend out options do seem quite appealing in tournaments. Maybe a Mike Magnon as well. You know, Dortmund could give them some hell. Both of those are going to be very competitive matches. So if one team scores and the other has to defend, you feel like the win, clean sheet, and save combinations are all working in your favor if you're looking at that group. Um, but I don't know, man. Like, I'm talking about this as if I know what the hell I'm talking about. Like, do you have any secret sauce to goalkeeper? Or are you in our camp of just uh, throw a dart and hope that it works out for you? I think that's the big difference that I've seen in how I come up with lineups versus watching you guys. And it seems like nobody cares about their goalkeeper. I really try and pick a clean sheet goalkeeper. Or... Yeah. I'll settle for a cheap one against such a huge favorite in the hope that saves rack up. But um, I've actually done a lot of lineup construction where I will start at goalie rather than end at goalie. So I think I care more about the goalie than a lot of people. Um, so 
but but ultimately I don't have a uh, you know secret sauce here. You know, look at the odds, look for low goal totals plus a favorite. You know, that could be the way to do it. That's something I've done a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be concerned about uh, Mike Magnan though. I think if you look at his logs in the in combination of Champions League and the Italian league, I don't think he's been that good when you factor in the price. Like in terms of value, I don't think mm-hmm. he's been that good. I mean, he has some big games, but I think if you look at the the value wise, uh, you, I think Donnarumma and even Ter Stegen may be better. Interesting. Well, Ter Stegen might not start. He might be hurt. So if you would you be willing to play the Barcelona backup keeper? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, I don't feel good about playing favorite backup keepers almost ever. It's like they're 100 cheaper, and you're like, you know, I get that DraftKings sorts these things by win odds roughly, but that can't be the only thing that matters. Like, it's tough to parse ability, but it's got to be more than a $100 downgrade when you have a completely new goalkeeper in there. Yeah, except for Man City. Man City, I'm fine because there's a world where the other team never shoots and that goalie can be laying down on the ground and it won't matter. So um, yeah. <laughs> that's the team where I'll consider the backup, but yeah, that, that makes some sense. I think there's some merits, what you're talking about, about, you know, clicking a goalkeeper in a spot that you like first, just many times I've been making lineups and, you know, I have this great combination. I'm looking at the final two V two and I just can't pick a goalkeeper that makes any amount of sense in the context of that lineup. So it almost kind of eliminates a lot right away. Like if you just click Donnarumma right away, you know that you're not going to roster any Newcastle players. Not that we were very tempted at the start, but it does clean up the lineup construction and uh, it kind of is a sticking point. So maybe that is the way to do it. Just lock that in and then worry about the rest instead of trying to make the perfect lineup and then sweating something ridiculous at goalkeeper or ending up having to pay 3,900 in a 35 man winner take all contests. Uh, 3,900 goalkeeper who's almost never going to win or get a clean sheet. Yeah. When you're making multiple lineups, I actually like starting at goalkeeper because you can kind of figure out the correlation there. Right. But if you're saying you're coming up with this combination of players that you like from an attacking sense or outfield sense, Mm -hmm. you're just going to pick whatever goalkeeper, you know, fits. But if you build it the other way, for example, like the lineup from the weekend that I won the King of the pitch, I knew I wanted this lineup to be Bournemouth's defense, right? So I mm-hmm. built it out that way. Exactly. So, you know, it just kind of depends on the type of event you're playing in. Yeah, I think that's a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, refreshing way, maybe another way to look at your lineups if you've been struggling with these types of things. Ultimately, though, you need the variance to go your way. One of the trickiest positions to tackle. So, man, that's been 55 minutes. This has been a lot of fun, Basil. Um, I think we've covered a ton of angles, given a lot of value to everyone. Do you have um, anything else that you want to say to the people? Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I think your Discord community is awesome. It's been good getting to know you guys and everyone in there. And yeah, I love the show. I'm happy to be a part of it. And you know, you guys have provided a lot of value to me just from saving me a lot of time of finding these secret players. I think mm-hmm. InBomb was one you found early on that I mm-hmm. wasn't looking at that mm-hmm. I was super happy about. So yeah, the, the work you guys do and, and finding some players that aren't so obvious is awesome. So thanks for having me. Oh, well, thanks for joining us. And maybe I should keep some of those players to my, to myself, <laughs> just for my own sake. <laughs> but um, Basil, where can the people uh, find you if you want to be found? Uh, I, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I actually don't even know my handle. I don't even know if it's <laughs> my, uh, 
you know, it's definitely some combination of my name, but I don't even know if I think it's I think you tweeted it. It's I tweeted it. Basil underscore Nabby. Uh, feel free to connect with me on there. All right. That's fantastic. And he's also in the discord. And um, yeah. And if you want to find him, you can uh, you should be following me on Twitter. I break down cash games every week and during the Champions League. So please follow me at Jack Burkhart. Again, Basil, thank you so much. Good luck to all of you. May you all finish second place in the contests that I am playing in, but still have a profitable day. Nonetheless, we will see you on Wednesday. All right, good luck.